Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Every one of us have awkward moments in our lives, times of awkwardness. Some people thrive very well when things get awkward, and there's people like me that don't, that usually make it more awkward, and, uh, and, and you say something, it doesn't come out right, and you're like, oh, you know, you try to explain it, try to explain yourself, and you just make it worse, and you're just like, I need to like go bury it, dig a hole and bury myself in it. Uh, Marissa, I remember once we were putting the kids on the bus, and she was getting Seth on the bus, and as Seth was getting on, she was saying goodbye to the bus driver, and nonchalant. She's like, all right, uh, bye, I love you, to the, uh, the bus driver. And I was like, okay, that's fine, you know, and, and just, you know, whatever. Um, I remember I was, I was uh, talking to someone once, and, and I haven't done this yet, but, you know, that there's a stereotypical awkward moment when you're talking to a lady, and you assume that she's with child, and you say, oh my goodness, how, how far along are you? And they're like, I'm not pregnant. You're like, and I'm leaving right now. I'm going. All right, goodbye. You know, it, awkward moments in life. We've all had these moments of awkwardness that usually later on we can laugh about them instead of being mortified like we are in those moments. And I want you to think, and I want to, we're going to look at today one of the most horribly awkward moments in human history. Now this wasn't a minor moment of embarrassment, and unfortunately it will never turn into a humorous story. What I'm about to read to you from the scriptures, once you hear it, you'll know that you're dealing with something so shocking, so, so outrageous and out of place that the world would never be the same again after this moment. The painful truth about this account in scriptures, this horribly awkward moment, is that it really did happen. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just a, a made-up story. And it really did happen, and we still see the results of this in our lives today. This is not the way things were meant to be. And understanding that as you hear this biblical account is key in truly understanding the story, the whole story of the Bible, and in making sense of Christmas in the way that it should be. Because we're going to go right back to the beginning of everything. Before we jump into the Christmas story, this moment in history, this awkward moment in history, was at the beginning. And the scriptures say this, in Genesis chapter 3, in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is Adam and Eve, the first people that God created. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Why did they do that? Well, let's see. The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Genesis 3.10, And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11, and he said, God said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Adam and Eve had just endured the first awkward, embarrassing, shame-inducing moment between them. They realized once they disobeyed God's one rule, 
God had created this beautiful, lush garden, and the animals, everything was just perfect. And they were, he, Adam named the animals, and all these things. And he said, just don't eat of this one tree, the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that. He said, there's the tree of life, there's every, but don't eat from that tree. And what happened? The, the, the enemy, as a serpent, tempted Eve. She ate, gave to her husband, and suddenly they disobeyed God. The first sin was ever committed. And suddenly, what was pure and holy and everything was okay soon became stained and tainted. And their nakedness was suddenly shameful. And they, they, they made clothes out of the leaves of the garden, it says. And, and they hid themselves from God because they were so ashamed. They realized they were without clothing and felt instant shame. Disobedience had destroyed their innocence. And human relationships would never be the same again since that day. But that is nothing compared with what happened next. See, God now comes, and God would walk with them through the garden uh, back uh, all these thousands and thousands of years ago when the world began. And God comes, and, and rather than being filled with awe and joy at His presence, He created them. No, no, they were filled with fear. Their reaction was weird and awkward and unusual. They hid themselves. They had been designed for intimate, moment-by-moment, -moment, loving and worshipful communion, relationship with Him, and something had gone drastically wrong in this story. God notices that they have not approached Him with the usual expectant joy, so He has to call out to them, like, where are they? Adam responds from hiding and confesses that he was naked and afraid, and the effects of sin are immediate and catastrophic. You see the relationship already broken. The bond between God and mankind had been broken. Fear has replaced love. Hiding has replaced communion, fellowship, relationship. Made to live in the center of God's love, people hide from him. And that's us too, church. You see, every person, every person on earth lives with this weird, uncomfortable battle between hunger for God and a desire to hide from Him. Think about that. Every person on earth lives with this weird, uncomfortable battle between hunger for God, I, I want God to use my life, and I want God to help me, and I want a relationship with God, and then this desire to hide from me because you feel bad about yourself, you feel shame, whatever it may be. Listen, sin had broken the most important relationship in all of life, the relationship between people and their creator. And at that point in the story, there's no longer peace. And that's what our word is today. Peace. Now you fast forward several thousand years now to, let's just say, when Jesus was getting ready to be born. About however many thousands of years later, peace was still absent for the people of God. God's people had have gone back and forth between rebellion and honoring him for centuries. And you can see it all through the scriptures of God's people, God's chosen people, the Israelites, worshiping him and following him, then turning to false idols, and then going back, and then rebelling, and then going back and forth for centuries. They had faced captivity uh, and tasted times of freedom on several different occasions, but no lasting peace for God's people. But peace was coming. Through the ages before, the promise of Messiah had been prophesied all throughout the scriptures. You see it in the Old Testament pointing towards a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He shall be called the Prince of Peace and Wonderful Counselor. And it's coming in Bethlehem. All throughout the prophecies of old, they had been saying a Messiah is going to come and rescue his people. 
One who's going to bring peace to God's people, to restore what was broken, to rescue them. But not like we've been talking about in the Gospel of John, not from the rule of a tyrannical dictator like they thought, but someone was coming to rescue them. There's no peace yet, but peace was coming. What a time of fear instead of peace. As the wise men, you know the story of the wise men seeking the star, uh, told Herod of this promised Messiah, and then King Herod, this wicked, evil king, slaughters thousands of baby boys for fear of his kingdom being taken away. There's no peace yet. Do you imagine that? The tragedy of that back before Jesus was born, and the king is so fearful that this Messiah is going to come and take his kingdom away, that he slaughters all these children. Awful. No peace. But peace was coming. The people of God, under Roman rule, seemingly forgotten, hoping for redemption day after day after day, but never seeing it, trodden under the feet of an earthly powerhouse, just under their foot, unable to do what they want, hopeless. There's no peace yet, but peace was coming. You see a man and his pregnant wife traveling with nowhere to sleep for the night, Nowhere to escape from the cold desert air, only an old dingy stable, some hay, some rags. There's no peace, but peace was coming. And church, suddenly, in the dark of that dingy old stable, with no light but the stars above, peace came. The Messiah that the earth had cried for now cries to be held by Mary and will soon cry in torment on the cross of salvation, peace has come. The tiny hands that stretched out to touch his mother's face would one day stretch out on a cross and save us all. Peace had come. Those tiny feet in that manger, kept warm by a loving mother and father, would one day walk to Golgotha, carrying the cross of our salvation to be pierced for our sins, bringing peace to all. Church, peace had come. You see, that night on a hillside in Bethlehem, shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by night, probably watching for some wild animal or criminal to come and steal or kill, unable to rest for fear of what would happen to their sheep if they weren't paying attention or themselves, looking over their shoulder, these shepherds, fearful of what could come in the night. But what came that night? Peace came that night. We see the scriptures say, in Luke 2, the story of Christmas, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace came that night. The angels started a song of glory that night that is still being sung today and will go on for eternity. We sang today about that silent night, that holy night, sleeping in heavenly peace. In the book of Revelation, in the last book of the Bible, 
we find that there are already those singing the glory of Jesus. And one day, church, we are going to join in that multitude of voices, no longer looking forward to hope, but looking back with the security of our redemption through Jesus Christ. It's been accomplished. He did the work for us. We'll sing with the angels forever and ever that we are rescued. We have been rescued by him, and peace has come. And church, this is Christmas. The series is called Welcome to Christmas because that is what it's about. Jesus didn't come just to bring peace. He's the prince of peace. When you look in that manger at that little baby boy, that's peace lying in that manger. The broken world, this broken world wrapped by sin was hopeless, hopeless. But the prince of peace, as the Old Testament, as the prophet Isaiah called him, the prince of peace, made peace between God and us through his life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. The fearful awkwardness between us and God has been forever broken by Jesus. We don't have to run and hide from God. We don't have to run and hide thinking that we're less than or not enough. We can run with confidence into the presence of God knowing he will never turn us away. That's what Jesus did. He is the Prince of Peace. And as we finish up this morning, I want you to, I want you to hear this and read this quote. It's, it is this peace that we have with God through Jesus that allows us to live our lives in this broken world shattered by trials and also to live in peace with others who are just as broken as we are. Church, the truth is we... We don't have any reason to not live in peace. Peace with our, in our own hearts and peace with other people. We just don't. Jesus made a way. The manger, the cross, all of it, Jesus is our peace. We hear Jesus say in the book of John, chapter 16, Jesus says to his disciples, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. You shall have, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems, he says. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus says to you this morning. So you're going to have issues. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have struggles, tribulation and trials. But cheer up, because he has overcome the world. Church, peace is not the absence of trouble. We think it is. We think that peace is when everything is going right in life. That's our definition. When everything is perfect, when my, when, when nothing is, is my, when my world is not rocked at all, when the boat's not rocking, when everything is just calm and everything's going the way I think it should be going and there's no trouble at all, that is when I can have real peace. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is resting in Jesus in the middle of trouble. That's what peace is. Peace is not the destruction of an enemy. Peace is allowing God's grace to flow through you to your enemies. That's real peace. Peace is not being secure with a lot of relationships in life, and i got to have everything. Peace is found in believing that all you need is Jesus. That's peace. The story of Christmas, church, is a story of peace. Peace that had come to a world in need. There was no way 
that we could have or would have figured it all out on our own. We just wouldn't have. We wouldn't have been able to figure it out. And that's why Jesus came. Eternal damnation, present chaos, destruction was inevitable. But then came Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Church, do you recognize your need this morning for peace? You will never live a life of peace apart from Jesus. You never will. You'll never live a life of peace apart from Jesus. You will continually be searching. You will continually be looking for peace. You will never have true peace with your fellow man apart from Jesus. In your own morality, something will always come up. A conflict will always arise. And that shadow of peace will fade away in a moment. Listen, this Christmas season, remember, remember the peace that was sung about on that hillside in Bethlehem when the angels say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Why could they sing that song of glory? Why could they sing that song of praise? Because just over the hillside in a dirty old stable was a little baby boy, Jesus, the Son of God, who was God, come to bring peace to the world. His name shall be called Emmanuel, the scriptures say. Emmanuel means God with us. That's peace. Remember the peace that came to your soul by the gospel of Jesus. Peace. Can you, can you believe this? Peace came from death. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And peace came from that. Remember your constant need for Christ and his peace. Remember that he will bring peace to your life if you let him. If you stop fighting against his working in your life. If you relinquish control. If you stop trying to glorify yourself. There's no peace in that. Let him be your peace. Listen, church, let's just get real this morning. Getting ticked off at the driver in front of you is not resting in the peace of Christ. Practically speaking here, church, when your blood pressure rises at something that your spouse or significant other says to you or does to you, that's not resting in the peace of Christ. When you look at the budget for the month and start stressing and worrying and taking out your fear on those around you subconsciously, that is not resting in the peace of Christ. Church, I'll be real with you this morning. This past month, this past year has been the hardest year of my life to date. It has been full, chock full of one thing after another, knocking us down. The enemy's on the attack on me, on my family, on, my, on our church. It's not, it feels nonstop. And sometimes I'm like, Lord, I need a break here. I need a break. And, and, in those moments, I wonder, like, God, are you really there? You say, well, you're the pastor. You're not allowed to doubt. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like you. We're, we're on the same plank. Listen, we're on the same plank field. I could be sitting right, I should be sitting down here with you because we all have these moments of challenge and we lack peace. And it seems like it's so out of reach. Nothing is going, nothing is working out. Nothing is coming together. I'm living in a winter rental that I gotta be out at the end of April and I don't know what's gonna happen after that. Still, 
add to that every other thing going on in life, things that are much bigger deals than that that are happening. And it's just like, Lord, I'm like, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired, Lord. I feel like every time we start to build momentum as a church, man, something happens and we got to do this. And, and I'm like, God, what are you doing? And, and I have to stop. I have to stop because the Spirit of God whispers and says, he don't know if he says this, but it's the same thing. Like, chill out, man. <laughs> Relax, Donald. Breathe. Just breathe. Just take a big, deep breath and know that I am peace. And even when all those problems aren't figured out yet, I can lay my head down on my pillow in peace. David said it in Psalm 3 when he's on the run, hiding out in caves from his own son who's trying to kill him and take his kingdom. King David said, man, all these problems are against me. Many, are Many there be which are against me. And people say there's no help for me in God, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. And he says, I laid me down and I slept and I awaked for the Lord sustained me. He says, you know what? I got a good night's rest even, in the, even on the run for my life. Why? Because he is my peace. He is all I need. You got Jesus, you got enough. You got Jesus, you got enough. Because he is peace. Our heads are bowed. Lord, we love you and we are grateful for you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word this morning. I have no doubt that there are people here today that are lacking peace. It seems hard to find it seems hard to find sometimes. But really, it's right under our noses because it's you. You are our peace. Lord, just like, just like on that hillside long ago, God, you're enough for us. I ask you to be with us, Lord. Help us not to search for peace in a bottle or in a pill or in a relationship, or in money, but help us to find and know that peace only comes from you. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your home. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.